This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Everyone, welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is your 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I am your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me I have uh, our two co-hosts, Peter the Falcon, swooping in from 40k Stat Center. Kaka! And of course, the Archon himself, Mr. Skari. Ah, uh, the you, you get you you know the rest. <laughs> Congratulations, you two. We are three quarters of the way through the season. This is the final home stretch. We have just the SoCal Open coming up, a couple of other larger tournaments, and then the LVO. Yep, and I don't think Riccio is doing a good enough job. Apparently, um, Tower doing quite well. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're not wrong. But uh... <laughs> Scarry coming ahead of it already. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you hadn't noticed, we're going to be talking about Richard Siegler's awesome performance at the Nova Open, as well as some other stuff from Nova we're going to talk about as well. Uh, and then more importantly, I think what you guys are actually here for, you guys and gals are actually here for, and that is we're going to be talking about the Space Marine FAQ, the Custodes nerfs, and what that means for you and your army going into the final season. I'm super pumped. We do have a September FAQ coming, but everything points to this September FAQ not being as large as the other ones in the past. I'm not saying for sure. I'm not saying that as someone in the know. I'm just saying it just as a general prediction for myself. I I feel like the September FAQ isn't going to be that big. There's not a whole lot more I feel like GW needs to do to make the game amazing other than maybe just starting a new edition in the terrain rules. Uh, well, how do you guys how do you guys feel about the state of the game right now? I'll let you go first, Falcon. Okay, um, you. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think if uh, GW can fix up terrain, just make it, just fluff that out. Give us a little more, and uh, maybe do a little bit about Eldar flyers or just flyers in general. If you want to make it more broad, I think you then have a you're in a pretty good place. The Marine Codex does a really good job at uh, possibly balancing out the like minus to hit penalty uh, issues with some factions. Um, so I really think that's it. If we can deal with flyer spam and with the potential changes to Gene Steeler cult shenanigans, uh, I think we're in a good spot. I think we could, yeah, get get another edition out with ju- that just takes all these rules that we've amassed into, what, like 400 pages of FAQs, put them back into one book so that everyone stops complaining, and re-go. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I think terrain is probably one of the biggest uh, things that we need to... You know, there's so many cool terrain sets and stuff, but I, I, 
personally, I don't really feel that terrain really works like, a, you know, let's give data sheets to all the terrain. You know, it's just, just tell us what it, it does and yeah. that's it, you know? Tell just us, that, yeah. Give us, give us, a, give us something for, for buildings we can use so that uh, people don't get annoyed when, you know, the, everything is indestructible. Like the department Mento Munitorum put void shields on literally every shack in the world. Um, so we can stop <laughs> using that, for example. I think we'd be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just something that that basically stops me from having to go to a tournament and asking the TO what each piece of terrain does. Yeah. Um. Just something like that. You know, a standardized thing. Get her together, um, boys. You know. Um. But yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, I'm really, really hyped. Uh. And then I know, I know, I know, Dark Angels, Grey Knights players, Space Wolves players. I know you've already pulled off on the side of your car. You're howling at traffic, in anger that we didn't say that your codexes need to get buffed. Don't worry. I'm pretty sure GW will take care of you by the end of, I guess by the start of the next season. I don't know. It looks, GW's already said that they're, they're buffing multiple other factions. So if your faction is underpowered and you feel like the September FAQ needs to buff X and X being your faction and nerf Y, then just relax. Yeah. Hold out. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in the FAQ, but it'll yeah. happen. Get You'll back have a in your psychic, quote-unquote, awakening or something, and everything will be better or worse. <laughs> um, I, I like GW doesn't have the best track record up until 8th edition of making things better, but they've been doing decent so far, so just yeah. give them time. I can neither confirm nor deny that things are going to be good or bad. <laughs> no, but super exciting. It's going to be a good episode. Uh before we get into the episode, this episode is brought to you by the brand new Frontline Gaming Network, where we have multiple 40k podcasts for your listening pleasure. Frontline Gaming, where you can get your one-stop shop for all tabletop gaming supplies, GW stuff, paint studios, and so much more. And finally, brought to you by those awesome patrons over patrons over at our Patreon, uh, where every month patrons are eligible to win a cool, awesome special prize. This month. At the beginning of the month, Mr. Ryan C. won the prize for August, and that was a painted character model painted by me and my daughter. Aww. We're going to paint it together. Aww. Ryan, if you're if you're really, really, really against it, maybe I can get one of the studio artists in there to, to paint like a pink thing or something for you, professionally. But I kind of want the new Shrike done in pink. I think that would be <laughs> super be cool. I, I, think, I think we should do a, a Cronus... But with a tear on the on the model on the Rowan Scorpius. Oh yeah, or like a just like a tattooed tear on his under yeah. his eye, like super yeah, just emo. Some, I like something it. something like that. Well, if and you then, want emo, just go for the new Shrike model. Oh my god, I would love to see the Shrike model with a pink streak through his hair. Well, that's like what I want to do. Goth I really want to yes. do like a pretty marine uh, cave and Shrike. I think it'd be great. Do me a favor, go to YouTube and Google "tickle me emo." No, oh, no, not like this. <laughs> no. Because it's. <laughs> Not like this. It's uh, it's Elmo's emo cousin. That's okay, your, tickle me, tickle that's me, your Elmo's first emo cousin. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first out of two. I promise. Well, well spent, Scary. Well spent. Yeah. <laughs> well spent. Uh, but congratulations, Mr. Ryan. See, I'm going to reach out to you at the end of this episode. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. If you would like to be eligible for that, just sign over to Patreon, patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Patrons get access to our Facebook group. They get to ask us questions at the end of every episode, and they also get are eligible to win that special prize. Uh, this month's prize, I don't know what it's going to be yet, though I imagine it's going to be Psychic Awakening themed or mm. uh, Gene Steeler Cult Space Ring themed. We'll see. 
We'll see. It depends on what new stuff GW comes. Um, worst comes to worst, I'm just going to give away one of those amazing Aeronautica Imperial Alice box sets that I know you guys are dying to use. Oh, man, those look so cool. Those look amazing. I, and- I kind of wish that they were the same... Um- scale as uh, Adeptus Mechanicus um, Titanicus. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm. Oh, they're not? So you can't use them with... Uh, well, I don't know Titanicus. if they are. If somebody mm-hmm. could let me know, that'd be great. That'd be kind of cool. I guess that would be kind of cool to have a mini APOC series where you put everything together and you just have a... Like Epic. Yeah. Exactly well, like Epic, to be honest, yeah. the new Apocalypse... This is my second tangent, I promise. This is the last one. But, you know, the, the new Apocalypse rules, you can play with the old Epic models. Because oh. it's... It, the old... It kind of gives itself really well to play the new apocalypse rule set with old epic miniatures and sets and stuff you just have to scale down the ranges and the size of the table to the same scale and then it's uh you have a new epic game i love Could it you imagine Bulkans shooting six inches halfway across the battlefield <laughs> <laughs> all right uh and then uh finally i just wanted to give a mr Congre- uh, congratulations to a mr brandon grant for getting married this weekend Congratulations, Hooray! Congratulations, Mr. Robots Robot. Robots have feelings. Yeah, it you was absolutely, love. absolutely lovely uh, uh, when they read their vows together. Well, it was, uh, anyways, the, the vows are read, and um, Brandon started off with a wonderful line that I didn't expect, uh, and then immediately proceeded to go, uh, you know, the normal Brandon way, which I thought was kind of nice. You know, used words like, like proud and of you and... And we will improve ourselves, things like that. Proud so, and of you, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very sweet though. It was You're a very very wonderful ceremony. Um, very very happy for Brandon and his lovely wife. Um, and have a great honeymoon. And that's it. There's also some other stuff that we're going to announce a little later once he gets back. But yeah, we'll do all that later. All right. On to the main topic. Nova happened this weekend. If you're unfamiliar with competitive 40k if you're new to the scene uh the nova open is one of the largest events over here in the u.s it's probably the largest event on the east coast though i'm not 100 percent sure it's certainly one of the largest events on the east coast and one of the premier events in every itc season uh the reason why is because it's placed well it's placed at the end of the summer season and it basically kicks off the start of the final stretch of the season also, it's got the Invitational, which is uh, 16 uh, players are invited to compete in a single elimination bracketed tournament. Uh, they're seated. It's really, really cool. GW has a lot of awesome reveals there. Uh, and if you ever get a chance to go, check out the Nova Open. It's a great charitable foundation. It's a great place to go. And this so, year they like doubled in size for the yeah. for the Open. You know, before it was only like 200 players, and this I mean 150 players or whatever. And this year they had almost 300 players at the singles. Mm, 295. 296, but one guy just decided not to play games. What a chump. <laughs> yeah, they, they they definitely expanded this year, which I'm very, very glad to see. Uh, I love to see tournaments expand. Um, and, and, of course, Nova Open is no exception. Uh, congratulations to Mr. Richard Siegler for winning the Nova Open. America's sweetheart. <laughs> he won with, with Tau, which... If you've been playing against Tau, you wouldn't be surprised because Tau can be really impressive and, and can come off as a really top-tier army. However, as Peter might mention a little later, they're not performing particularly well in terms of top finishes. Uh, Tau, Tau players are... Mostly in, in Nova format. Yeah, like Generally, Tau have been doing very well, but like we'll talk about it a little bit later. I can get a little into detail. We're going to cover a lot of the stats from Nova at uh, on Stat Center. 
sometime this week, theoretically tomorrow. You never know, guys. As you know, we we like to keep it spicy by you know surprising you with with the episodes that are actually on time. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll cut. We'll I'll I'll give you some tidbits. Nice. Right on. Uh, and then, so uh, we're gonna. I just want to go ahead and um, actually for the Nova Invitational, um, Peter. So unfortunately, I lost my page for the Nova Invitational results. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm gonna explain how the Nova Open works because it's kind of strange. While Peter pulls up the Nova Invitational results, uh, I got so, I got them in my brain. Beam, perfect. Beam, beam. So for the Nova Open, uh, at basically at the end of X rounds, I think it's six rounds, five rounds, five rounds. At the end of five rounds, uh, every player gets seated into a top sixteen bracket, uh, and the, or sixteen person bracket, and then this is basically a single elimination 16 player tournament mini tournament within the tournament uh and that way it gives everyone a shot to win something at the end of the event right so even if you're in last place or if you're in first place uh you get seated into a 16 player bracket and then you play a single elimination style in your bracket and if you win your bracket you get something um so that's pretty cool i've always really liked that and then of course everyone pays attention to the top bracket uh because this year's top 16 and actually this year's nova Nova normally this is pretty stacked in terms of players, but this year just felt extra extra stacked. It, it sent, felt like every few scrolls I was scrolling through, I saw like a, a high end top player who who was playing a really nasty list. And I was like, this is very competitive this year in particular. Um, anyways, yeah, so I would 16, say like your top. Sorry, ahead. I was gonna say like your top four brackets at least had like an, like an absolute murderer's row of players in them. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Absolutely. All right. So your top sixteen this year. Uh, in the order that they won, uh, Mr. Richard Siegler, of course, who was the only player at Nova Open to go undefeated completely, went nine and zero. Nine uh, and zero, which is nuts. There's nine games one in a row, three days of brutal gaming. Uh, Nick Rose losing out to him, uh, going getting in second place with Gene Sierra Colt. So Richard Siegler, Tao, uh, Nick Rose, Gene Sierra Colt, Mark Parker coming in with a Death Skulls org list. Uh, Andrew Gamio coming in with the nastiest Imperium list I- I've seen in a while. Um, uh, <laughs> pretty pretty nasty stuff. Uh, Mark Hurdle coming in with Colt Mechanicus, Anthony Birdsong, Orcs, Justin Lois with an Imperium mixed Imperium list, um, similar to what he's been running all year, uh, except he's got Cladius Grav tanks. And actually, no, not similar to what he's been running all year. <laughs> yeah, no, he swapped <laughs> completely in the, different. He swapped in the Cladius in replacement For of the his night. Uh, night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lewis Stolberg rounding out the top eight with Colt Mechanicus, uh, and then we had John Lennon with Gene Circle, Jeremy Knox with Eldari, Chris Blackham with Gene Circle, Ryan Christensen, the only other Tau player in the top sixteen, Dan Downer with Orcs, Radchester with more Orcs, uh, John McMahon with Chaos Space Marines, and then the gentleman himself, Mr. Alex Fennell, bringing up the rear with uh, Triple Knights, Imperial Knights Imperium list. Yep. Uh, so and that a Imperial whole Bastion. Bunch of orcs. And the Imperial Bastion with the mm-hmm. with the uh robots inside i forgot their names catafron so pretty interesting indeed uh it was a little chaos light which which i was super shocked by because generally at nova um for as long as i've been covering it there's always been like nick Nanavati running chaos or some other really good top player running chaos lists so chaos have always usually had a really good presence at nova mm-hmm. um but this year you had to go to john mcmahon in 15th place to get your chaos player um for the bracket which is which is nuts um so chaos didn't perform as well this year at least in the top 16 um do you know how they performed in general at the event peter yeah yeah i do let me bring that up for you super quick 
Um, so Chaos Demons did roughly how they've been kind of doing. They sat about a 51% win rate. Um, their average first loss was just over two. So, like, the, the kind of Chaos Demon gym vessel soup, which is really what all these Chaos Demon lists are, they performed okay. They just didn't have anybody that, uh, that went uh, either... Um, Five zero or four one going into the uh, going into the day three to get in that top bracket. Um, Jim came close. I think he missed the the bracket by uh, just a small margin. He went uh, four and one, um, and was just out by the victory points. Um, and I believe T.G. Lanigan also barely missed out uh, due to victory points. So like like two of the top Chaos Demon uh, players or Chaos uh, uh, multi faction players. Kind of barely missed out. I think the big thing about uh, chaos this year was the the, com- the really competitive chaos lists you've been seeing of late. Um, generally, don't perform super well in a Nova Nova format. Um, Jim said it multiple times going in that, and TJ as well that their 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 lists often rely on the ITC format on winning due to uh, kill point denial. Um, so like kill more, kill kill more is very hard to get on lists like theirs, and in a Nova format where kill um, doesn't really come into play that hard, other than in a couple secondaries, um, and one tertiary worth three points, it's um, it kind of puts them at a bit of a disadvantage. They have to play a little bit differently in order to make up for that, a little more aggressively. And I I think that that's that's probably a big deciding factor in terms of like mission format, and kind of shows how. It's good to have different mission formats. You know, it really forces top players to, you know, think outside the box or use their armies differently or adjust to the mission format instead of just playing the same thing over and over and over again. For sure. And secondly, I feel like those lists have been at the top for so long that a lot of top competitive players now have strategies and ways to deal with those specific lists when they meet them in like a competitive environment, whether it's target priority, positioning, you know, things like that. So the more you see something, the easier it is for you to, to deal with it, um, you know, game-wise. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Peter, let's go ahead and get those Nova Invitational results. Now, are we talking the Invitational, the to- the 16 boys, the one that was won by Nick Nanavati? Who? Ooh, yes, Who? that's exactly the one I was Who? talking about. <laughs> the brown magic? So what, what's the big thing you want? Do you want to talk about the whole just invitational? The top four. Just, just you can just do the top four. You don't have to say everyone in the invitational. Oh well. Oh, you know what? If you want, you can say <laughs> as many people as you want, Peter. You want to just list everyone off? In I really Nova. just wanted to talk about the top two because it was a pretty excellent game, but I think we missed out on a lot of it because um, it was really hard for the at, like on day one, uh, the invitational day one stream. I think there was a little bit of difficulty in trying to figure out everybody's shenanigans on the table. There were a couple games that I think were a lot closer than people realized when they were playing, when uh, they were commentating. Um, and that's a little unfortunate because I, I believe, and you guys can forgive me if I'm wrong, because I can only cut in and out of a lot of the Invitational games. Um, they cut out pretty early on that final, which was John Lennon playing uh, Adeptus Custodes, not his Gene Steeler Cults that he would bring to the, uh, the actual Open, versus Nick Nonavati's Muscle Beach list. Um, and John, who uh, of course had gone four and zero so far, was running two Orion dropships and three Caladius, Trajan, and a, just a small unit of uh, Custodian Guard, as well as the Vexilla uh, versus Nick's kind of standard Muscle Beach. Turn one, John sends one of his Orions out, uh, and to, like all the way across the board to the other end of the board, kills I believe one of Nick's characters, and that's it. 
Um, on turn two, Nick basically deploys everything on his side of the board to kill that Orion, blows it out of the off the table. And I think at that point, the commentators uh, uh, thought that that was kind of game because the trade-off wasn't very strong. Turn three, John sends another Orion across the board. Exact same reasoning. Once again, Nick blows it off the board, although it takes him two rounds to do so. So now we're in end of turn four. All of Nick's... Uh, and Nick chose end, uh, end of game uh, objectives, by the way. Um, all of Nick's army is on one half of the board. Which is the whole reason why John did it. So if you watch the stream, it kind of makes it look like John is just getting wrecked. But in reality, John's playing the super trick on Nick and he's hoping it works and that Nick will focus so much on stuff that John keeps shoving up on his end of the board that when turn six comes, Nick won't be on any objectives and John wins because uh, of uh, the endgame rules. It was really, really well thought out. And if Nick doesn't make a 10-inch charge with his aberrants at the, uh, in round five or round six... He actually, I think, loses that game. Yeah, Thanks. it was it was uh, it was one of those things that you you know you don't ever discount something till the end of the game. Yeah, it was really well played by John. Like he was he, he was definitely on his back foot right from the get go. Um, in that his list didn't deal super well with Nick, so he needed to do that, and it was just really well played. Kudos to Nick for catching it because if he'd caught it any later than he did, he like he just doesn't. He doesn't make it, right? And then John, at the very end of the game, pops Kaladii on on three or four objectives, scores 12 points, Nick scores six, and John wins. So it's a really interesting game. I highly recommend people take a look, but uh, but look at it from that point of view, not from a, this guy's making a bunch of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> It, it, so uh, I don't know. I don't know when the Nova Invitational one game was this year, uh, but I believe this year they kept it all to one day. They did, yes. Yeah, which is awesome because previously in previous Nova Invitationals they would have the Nova Invitational and then the finals would be on Sunday early in the morning, their time, which would be like four a.m. our time on the West Coast, uh, and then unfortunately a lot of people would miss it. So. I'm glad they did move down to the 16. And of course, congratulations to Nick Navadi for, for winning again. Um, yeah, for sure. It like, he played super well. Uh, it was, it, I think he was four of the five games they streamed were his games mm-hmm. in the invitational. Um, maybe let's spice it up next time, boys. But I mean, it's always great to watch him because you'll learn a lot watching a Nick Navadi game. Um, he's just like his tactics and how he plays against each different army. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to get uh, out of it, if, especially if you're like a Gene Steeler cult player and really want to know how to get into that mindset. Yeah. And another thing I liked is they, uh, they switched it up with the commentators every game. Yes. So yeah. it wasn't just uh, the same old commentators, mostly because Reese was, you know, flying, flying in at, I think around that time and, you know, they just wanted to switch things up. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was really nice to see, you know, like top notch players, like as we said, murderous row going into and playing the the mission and the format and getting all those points and and then you know knowledgeable commentators as well, kind of talking about like what was going on and you know secondaries and things that that the players were choosing to do for the mission and things like that as well. And the one day format apparently was just because they had grown so much they uh, needed to basically add in the nine nine rounds for the main tournament which uh, forced them to sort of finish up the Invitational in the one day. And there's a really good picture out there, if you want to see it, of uh, Nick getting money shoved into his shorts for winning the event. So 
<laughs> right on. <clears throat> so uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, the invitational and transition into what uh, it means for basically everyone else. Um, the first thing is obviously Richard Siegler is one Tau, uh, but we talked about this before the podcast. Um, you know, it's it's Tau players. Um, it's not doesn't mean the Tau are good. Richard Siegler has been winning with that Tau list for for a long time now. Uh, if you look at his top fours, he's got six top fours um, on 40kstats.com uh, for majors, which are majors. So he's got six top four majors uh, going into this, or five going into this event, and six after this Nova win. And he's been consistently doing really, really well with this particular Tau list. So it's not it's not really a format-specific list, although I imagine he might change up a little bit of stuff, maybe, come LVO. Uh, but in general, this is basically what he's been running all year, and he's been doing really, really well with it. So this is yeah. just the example of a really good player taking a list he knows really well and, and doing well at an event. Yeah, there was a lot of talk after the event that, you know, the Nova was the only reason. I saw a lot of people saying Nova is the only reason why this list worked um, because he runs so many MSU models. Um, I saw a lot of, you know, this uh, the Nova format really uh, helped Tau and Gene Stiller Colts. I think you're right on the latter, maybe not so much on the former. Um, I think the big thing is, like, just understand, and we're going to talk a lot about it on 40k Stat Center. Val really wants to dive in on this this concept. But, um, like, Richard is a phenomenal player. Uh, he's 21 and 3 and 3. 21, 3 and 3 in G- uh, GT and major play this, this season with that list. I believe he's changed 50 points of it the entire season. Um, and that's all, that's not counting his Nova uh, win. So that's all ITCs. He's 22 and 2 in RTTs. Um, still, same list. So he's definitely got the pedigree. He knows how to play it. Um, and he's a, he's a little tricksy uh, Molly Ringwald. Just a just super tricksy player. Tricksy Molly Ringwald. America's what? sweetheart, Molly Ringwald, uh, who is now Richard Ziegler. So, do you have uh, stats for sort of like the generic Tau players at the event as well? Sure. Um, all I want to do is I just want to make a comparison here. You know, this is someone who's been playing the same list over and over again. It's probably quite dull to play the same list over and over again. However, if you want to get really good at something, you know, you try and practice with it over and over again. And it just, you know, one of the biggest mistakes I see people who want to make competitive lists do is switch their lists around all the time. So, you know, this will kind of give you a sort of like an understanding of, you know, how important and how much of an impact it can make on your gameplay competitively to just stick to something and stick to your guns and just learn how to play it really really well. It's helped me with the Drukari, and I'm sure it could help you with whatever list you want to play out there. And that's and you hit the nail on the head. This is something that I get I get asked a lot. Um, I get a lot of emails on 40k stats about can you please tell me what units are best in this format and how do I make how do I play better? So first off, I'm not a good player, so don't ask me how to play better. That's that's for somebody like Pablo. Um, but if you want whoa, whoa, to know, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but like like Scary said, a hundred percent, the best way to get good at this game is to play it frequently. But not just that make a list and play that list frequently maybe modify 100 points here and there but don't keep swapping out factions get to know how your faction plays against like in in every possible scenario so you have the answers um i'm not gonna like i said i don't want to blow the lead too much on stat center for tau but 
There were 19 Tau players at uh, at Nova, which is actually a little bit under the, the current norm for percentage-wise. They were about 6.5% of the meta. Generally, they've been about 8 of late because they have been performing very well. Yeah. Um, only 6 of those 19 players had winning records. Um, so so it's they're... like less than a third. That's, yes. that's amazing. So only six of those. If if and if Richard's not in there, their numbers are equivalent uh, to how Dark Angels, Space Wolves, and Grey Knight players performed at the event in terms of performance. Hmm. Well, there you have it, folks. Recio is at it again. Yeah, Recio <laughs> has just. So I just just keep that in mind when you're thinking about you know, are shield drones too powerful? Um, Maybe Nova format is uh, is tilted towards a, a Tau kind of gameplay because it obviously isn't. I'm not going to say shield drones aren't too powerful. The one thing I'll say about that, uh, real quick, and this is just a take on my part, if you're going to change how shield drones work because it's frustrating for some people, and I don't disagree, you have to change the rest of the book because I don't think that book functions otherwise, and that's a problem. But anyway, that's a whole other episode, I think, if you want to go into the nitty-gritty on why that's an issue, but... And ladies and gentlemen, the nitty-gritty of Tau Gun Drones, brought to you by Frontline Gaming Network. <laughs> anyway, that's my little rant. Uh, I'll, I'll, well, Val will be doing a much longer one tomorrow or the next day whenever we actually post up our episode. Um, and also, um, our brother, our brother, our brother podcast there, the new Art of War, is going to be posting up an interview with Richard Siegler on exactly how his list works in the ITC format, I believe, next week. Nice. So, all sorts of goodies there that you can dig into. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, all right. So, moving on. I want to talk about... Uh, first off, I want to talk about how the Imperium did. Uh, the Custodius Grav Tank performed well. It looked like it performed really well yes. in Nova. Uh, yep. And I think that... I think people are still going to use it, though I think it's going to do the same thing that the Castellan did, in that I think most of the people are going to move away from the the grav tanks now, but it's they're still going to be a viable option for winning a, some amount of games for some people sometimes, just like I, the Castellan. I don't think that the changes to them has made them any worse. If anything, they've sort of... Uh, improve them in some ways and just brought them down in some ways. Yeah, I would say if we're going to get in too into that, I think that they are worse in an imperial. They're they're worse, but they're not like ridiculously worse to the point where they're unusable. I think they're a super fine model. I think this was actually, and I hate to say it, I think this was the right call. Um, this particular quote unquote nerf. Um, they're no longer killing absolutely everything. The negative is now, like from a Custodes perspective, if you love that mono Custodes, you really don't have a ranged option to deal with Imperial Knights anymore because they also nerfed the Telemann. Um, but on the other hand, uh, like they were just ridiculously too strong. I talked about this on the last episode, uh, the stats episode of 40k Stat Center. They had a 65% win rate the last two months. Uh, people, Anybody that ran three, Cast uh, three Caladius did. They had a 2.7 average first round loss, which is getting into like Inari peak numbers. It's It was getting a little absurd. People had, had gotten onto the idea and they were pretty point and click. There wasn't a whole lot of strategy to it. Yeah, I agree. You know, so now we'll kind of see what happens. Although, even though they did lose that point of strength, I feel that the reliant, the reliable two damage, I think is going to be 
quite good. That will help in in a a number of circumstances, particularly if uh, Space Marine, uh, Primera Space Marines in particular, come on the rise, because that makes them better at killing those. Yeah. The, they, they don't wound them on twos anymore, but the flat two damage, I believe it increases their, their viability against intercessors and things like that. So if you start seeing a lot of intercessor spam, those Caladii will mess, those, mess them up hard. It also increases the, the appeal of things like the palace tank that yeah. didn't really see much of a change. And people who are already using palace tanks will, will kind of just continue to use, use mm-hmm. palace tanks. Yeah, I, I think... I think that um, in an Imperial Knights heavy meta, uh, which the Nova open wasn't at least the the top tables weren't no super... they did there weren't a lot yeah um, they were they were only about eight percent of the meta which is low for Imperial really Knights low. and they did perform poorly I think on average they had about a forty nine percent win rate and normally they're the tops like they're the top dog mm-hmm. um, Adeptus Custodes, like you said, so anybody that ran Triple Caladius, they they actually had the best overall performance at at Nova, um, while only a, uh, I shouldn't say only, while only I believe it was like three or four people in the top sixteen, I think it was three ran Triple Caladius, um, like overall they were winning way more than they were losing, um, yeah, yeah, but Imperial Knights not not as good at all, other than the Alex Fennel performance, there weren't very many, yeah, yeah, and. It, w- it remains to be seen what what the meta is going to look like, which I guess we'll talk about a little later. Um, when it comes to Space Marines added into it, and uh, w- will Space Marines be able to handle three Crash Crusaders and Imperial Nightless? Um, they c- certainly can right now. Uh, they've but they have to take specific units and factions um, to do it. So mm-hmm. which might lower their their effectiveness against other units. But we still have supplements coming, so we don't know. So it'll be interesting to see where everything goes. But if the meta shifts towards people having to take Imperial Knights to deal with Space Marines, uh, the the Calais might see a little bit of a drop off. But if you see a lot of Space Marines, it might not. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see where where it ends up after this. Um, I think I, I think I'm going to disagree with Scary though. I think it definitely did nerf it a little, um, just because there's so many Imperial Knights around. Uh, and just well, I didn't say it didn't nerf it. I just said that it oh. nerfed it in some ways and benefited it in some yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think you're wrong nerf. in that way. I, th- <laughs> I do enough. think that uh, for for Custodes players, it's a bummer. The big bummer for me um, when I looked at the changes it, um, was the Telemann more than the Grav Tank. Because the Grav Tank, you felt it coming. You were just hoping they didn't overdo it. Um, the Telemann, that was like a shot to the gut. That was like, oh. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> what happened? Why you was, hate me, GW? <laughs> what happened was the GW was you know sighting in on the Caladius with the nerf gun with the nerf gun, yeah. and the Telemann jumped in front of it, going <laughs> no, as and he then, would, as he yeah, would, as of course the Telemann would. The Telemann's yeah. such a great guy. I mean, <laughs> like you know how how I think I've said this on the podcast before. You know how custodies end up in a Telemann, right? Like they volunteer to get like get blendered for the greater good. Mm, uh, of the Imperium, right? They don't, they don't take injured custodians and st- shove them in Telemans. It's guys that are like, well, we got an empty one. I guess it's my turn, and then they just kind of walk through some kind of weird blade machine and get uh, pulped and popped in. It's like an yeah. orange juicer, cut down to size. <laughs> yeah, an orange juicer. Yeah, a Teleman orange juicer. The heroes we deserve. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so I do have some other questions about the top sixteen that I'd love to pick your brains on. Uh, the first being. We talked about a distinct lack of chaos lists in the top 16, um, but also Eldari 
uh, have felt like they've been falling off the wayside a little. I have seen Eldar Flyerless do, uh, you know, post okay results to good results. Mm -hmm. Um, But it feels like Eldar, uh, mixed Eldar in a rough spot um, right now. And and as our resident Dark Eldar player, Skari, is the top 16, is the single lone Eldar player in the top 16 something Eldar players should be worried about? Or is that just uh, an anomaly? I feel like Eldar has the the option, like the capability of being at the top, right? Um, I just think that it uh, the moment right now with the changes to Doom and Jink and and especially like those those changes that a lot of the current competitive Dark Eldar players or Eldar players in general, Eldari players, got used to using Doom and Jink to kind of offset a lot of the things in the other books like the harlequins or the dark eldar you know things like that and it's going to take time for players who were really used to that to adjust to like the new math when it comes to things like that and it might not be just as cut and dry however it'll just be a matter of time before you know eldar players if they're sticking to their guns they're like i'm going to take flyers and i'm going to take um, you know, Rangers, and I'm going to take some Harlequin Jetpikes, and it's going to be great. But the meta has been shifting, so I feel like they might just be stuck in, you know, six months ago land, where they they just have to kind of shake, shake, uh, shake their booty. No, they just have to <laughs> shake. <laughs> Sorry, I was stuck in my head. They have to kind of shake it up a little bit and maybe try some something different to kind of find uh, something within the book itself that just kind of resonates with the current meta as it stands. I agree. Um, I would say that Eldar, as a, like, craft world Eldar, they they have kind of gotten into this funk um, where you really only see success out of um, flyer spam, so like four plus flyers. Um, but there's not a lot of people playing that list. Uh, you see about one for one or two every major. Uh, I know there's somebody listening that's like, I went to a tournament in Chicago and there were 14 Eldar Flyer <laughs> players. Of the 15 that were there, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry that you live in tryhard land. Um, but really, a lot of Eldar players don't want to play uh, like that many Flyers because it like the, you just get crapped on by everybody. Like Anybody that sees that list on the table is like, oh, you're one of them. Um, so that kind of hurts seeing that in the meta. Fortunately, I think because they do have a they do have a pretty absurd win rate when they do get played. Um, but that's really it. Like you, like uh, Scary said, there's a lot of people kind of still trying to run older lists, and they just don't function as well. Um, Eldar have been sitting around a fifty percent win rate, which is admirable. It's not like it's terrible. It's it seems like it's it's doing a balanced job. Um, Drukari, on the other hand are low-key uh, doing really great things, particularly in Canada, The uh, not just because of Skari, even though like he is obviously one of the best. There are a number of really good Drukari players in Canada, and so whenever we have a major or a GT up here, even though it may not get like a ton of coverage uh, down south, um, generally the top four, there's two or three Drukari players in there, or in the running at least, and so their numbers are actually quite high. Even at Nova, they were the third best performing faction uh, if you look at like just like overall top end numbers, yeah, you know, shout yeah. out to uh, best in faction Drukari and Nova. Well, what? <laughs> Who was it? Ben, I believe, and uh, he's a uh, uh, fellow. He's actually put a picture up on the Patreon page, I believe. Mm. I just have to go check. 
Congratulations. He had a lot of fun. He was like, Mono Drukari. I was like, good job. Yeah. But Drukari do do very well. Um, (laughs) Do do. Do do. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not super, like, they're, I'm not super worried about Drukari. I think that Craft World Eldar players, particularly if the FAQ does come down on flyers um, in any way, which I do think it needs to, they may, they may need something else. I'm not sure what. Maybe just a really firm handshake, but they, they need something. Yeah. I think a really firm handshake is is fine. I think it's perfectly fine. Um, there's still a lot of really good Eldar players out there, and uh, for sure, though, though you know um, what, I think that because of all the abuses of Inari, well deserved nerfs. <laughs> that's that you know there there's Never definitely forget. some. Never forget. <laughs> it's why we hate Grey Knights still. Like 18 years later, 18 years after Paladins were released, players. everybody out there is agreeing with me. They're like, yep, yep. yep. Death to Anari. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to move on to Orcs. Uh, orcs had a really strong showing at Nova. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we, should we, or, or not we, should the Orc players be walling at their store buying Orc smash guns and mech guns? Uh, because three of those players ran, I think, the maximum amount of smash guns. I actually don't know what the maximum is. I don't want to know. 18 is the max. 18. I would love to say that it's just for Nova. I've seen a lot of 18 Smasher Gun lists in ITC and, and even in ETC format. Um, it does okay in the ETC scene. Uh, not super great. Um, Anthony Birdsong um, has actually put up a number of good performances using a ton of mech, uh, mech guns. So, uh, And he, uh, of course, did very well at Nova. Um, but in general, on the ITC side, um, people seem to be have found like the magic numbers about five or six. Uh, like four or five smasher guns, maybe one or two tractor cannons. That seems to be the the uh, the, the good the good spot if the you still want to bring if you still want to bring the rest of your toys. So yeah. yeah, and I feel that that does also have a bit to do with the fact that um in you know in the kill kill more you know those yeah. smasher guns in in ITC definitely allow for an opponent to kind of get a lot of those you know like bonus points and and primary points even against an army like orcs that can sometimes be hard to get kills against if you're running like giant blobs and things like that. Yeah. And I think that is the key. And that that's what you, I, I heard a lot early on in the, uh, after the codex released, because when the first codex first got released, everybody was going on about how amazing smash guns and tractor cannons were for their points. Hello. I'm sure you noticed a brief pause. That was not a commercial break. If it was, that would have been the worst commercial of all time. What happened was my computer decided to crash. Uh, Lies. It's really hot. I rolled a six uh, for Vect. Oh, that's he Vected it. That yep. makes sense. Vected yep, that's it. I like and I was it. like, and plans foiled. You, you see, I was just about to mention Scary's secret top plan to beating every list with Dark Eldar. And he Vected <laughs> me right, right at that moment. So I don't want to do it again. I learned my lesson, Archon. You, don't have you to can't tell assassins. the people... You can't tell the people how to beat Dark Eldar, okay? <laughs> it's just another NDA I have to sign. <sighs> yes, it is. Um, anyways, we just had some technical difficulties, but we are back. Peter was talking about the Orc Smash Guns uh, and how they were rising in popularity. And now, Skari, why do you think people are... Uh, why, why do you think they do well in the Nova format versus the ITC format? I feel that in... 
ITC format, well, not I feel, I know, in ITC format, uh, you know, kill more is a thing. And having lots of small units all over the place, being a Venom player, I understand this concept, is uh, can give up a lot of these points. Um, so having 18 smasher guns is a potential kill more like every single turn, right? Whereas a Nova, that wasn't uh, much of a deal. You know, and, and, and what we're seeing in ITC is, I believe you had mentioned before, I don't know if that was cut off, but uh, you know, you're seeing you know, five to six um, smasher guns and like a tractor cannon or two. Uh, more is just like deterrence or backfield zoning or things like that. So they're not putting too many points into them. However, that's still enough to have an impact on the game. Yeah, and that's that seems to be where orc lists have started to, to move. Um, orc lists have kind of, I feel, in the ITC meta, at least become a little stale. There's kind of two templates, and that's it. There's this Ludas or Tank Busters plus boys plus a few mech guns as kind of like the core of the one list as well as a, like a Death Skulls shock attack gun. And then there's the secondary list, the kind of Ben Jurek or whoever you want to call it, freebooters free list. And that's you don't see much else unless you go to Australia because Australians are freaking crazy. Um, and they do all sorts of shenanigans no one's ever heard of, like 18 Tyranid Warrior lists. So, uh, <clears throat> so uh, finally, I want to talk about a uh, faction that has been on a lot of people's radar uh, and is, I would say, until Space Marines get a foothold is currently public enemy number one if you were to take a poll right now, and that's Gene Steeler Colt. So I'm under the opinion that Gene Steeler Colt are actually in a really good spot as a faction right now and and contribute to the healthiness of the format. I don't think they need to get nerfed or changed up at all. Maybe some tweaks or a little bit of clarifications, but even then, I don't think they're that bad. How do you two feel about Gene Steeler Colt's uh, stance in the meta? And then we can transition this into the, how we feel about the meta in general. You go first, Gary. Gene Steel Cult are broken, and they sure go back to the holes that they crawled out of. No, I'm I'm joking. It's <laughs> um, Gene Steel Cult. I feel provide veteran gamers or veteran players, like for example Nick, uh, you know, who won the Invitational, with a plethora of tactical options to play the game, which kind of keep it fresh and keep it exciting. But it also uh, provides uh, newer players an opportunity to play um, with units and in a style that's completely different it's very very different to any other sort of list on the meta at the moment and i feel that that does keep it fresh i feel one of the biggest sort of complaints that that stems from genius occult is you know a lot of newer players and whatnot would would you know ha have the um the innate ability to get gotcha'd by genius occults and i think a lot of it comes from that because they have lots of tricks and things that and hyper efficient characters and whatnot that can really change the pace and dynamic of a game specifically and this can kind of lead to some feels badsies if if an opponent doesn't really understand what's happening to them as they're getting completely destroyed on the tabletop yeah and you might argue that that a lot of factions have that kind of issue, maybe even ones that aren't Yeah, but they don't, like, pop out of the ground or, you know, like, come <laughs> at you from every angle. And, you know, like, it's it's like a different kind of gotcha, you know, where it's like yeah. one stratagem that kind of, like, but you could see it coming from, like, a mile away, really, when you think about it. And you don't have, like, 20 flamers dropping down on you and murdering your entire army because they popped up, you know, three inches away from you and you know, opened up a giant gap in your screen and then you charge and kill all 
all your and like by turn four you have like i have no army left and i have no idea how this this happened to me right now <laughs> yeah. but by the way psa if you're just listening to this right now paying attention you know drop your paintbrushes gene Steeler colt have the ability to get in your face quickly and table you with lots of models <laughs> if you didn't they, know that that's they can did, do it I'm I'm pretty sure that you know we're we're doing a service to everybody here, like letting you know now, before you go to an event and find out the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> there are certain constants in 40k. That's one of them. I love Gene Steeler cults. I wish every faction was like them. Hmm. I w- and 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 I don't mean like every faction played exactly their way, but I just wish every faction. And this is kind of a, a something to do, that, uh, that has to do more with as codexes have come along. They've just gotten better at making codexes that are more interesting. Gene Steeler Cults have so much good and interesting interactions in their book. The problem with that um, is that that really hurts the casual player or even the like competitively casual player. Because there is so much that when they go to a big event and they go up against a John Lennon or Nick Nanavati or a Nick Rose or any of these guys that have been playing this game for a long time, they put in the hours playing, they know all of these interactions, they get gotcha And it's not, um, I don't, it's just because there's so much going on in that codex. I think that's the only real, the, the main negative in that codex is there's so much going on. And new players going into Gene Steeler Cults end up getting kind of pushed away because they, like, they can't get that foot in the door right they play that one game where they absolutely demolish their their guard buddy and then they go into a game against custodies or something they their initial deep strike because they played super sloppy bounces and then they just get wrecked right because the the common idea is um gene stiller cults hit you so hard but they can't take any hit back um and yeah so i like i i want jeans i want every codex to be like gene stiller cults um, in that, like, there were just a ton of interactions, a lot of little sly things that you can do, but there has to be an understanding that it then change. That kind of changes the gap between a good, like, the ceiling is just so much different, uh, and the floor compared to any other codex. I think with GC. Yeah. Codes. Did you also know they have secret stratagems they can use, like, you know, bringing uh, units of aberrants back from the shadows a turn after they're supposed to for ooh, command point? Ooh, ooh, deep ooh. cuts. All right. Too soon, all right, Scary. All right. Too Hold soon. On. Um, <laughs> all in good faith. All in good that's faith. A, that's I an just, inside I joke. Just. If, if you, uh, anyways. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think you're right, Scary. Uh, I think that um, there is definitely a lot of potential for feel badsies, maybe even more so, um, because Gene Circle are a complicated army. Uh, though I do like the fact that there are armies that are simpler to play and armies that are harder to play, um, just because that can you know, reach out to newer players and reach out to different kinds of players. And we should always promote those styles. So anyways, uh, I've just, I've seen some rumblings online of a uh, Gene Sir Colts getting, being the next on the chopping block and next to get nerfed. And I just don't agree with that. Well, um, I think I actually, we know, I, sh- I shouldn't say we know, we're about 99% sure they're getting one nerf, right? Because they're no longer going to be able to remove blips and then bring them on the board turn four, five, or six. Just judging from what was said at Nova, the the rule change they made prior to Nova for it, and the fact that we just got a Space Marine fact about the drop pods not being able to do the same thing. So I think you can make a correlation there that Gene Steeler Cult's probably also no longer going to be able to do that. 
Also, yeah, something it, you should know about Nova's Robin credits, right? Or credits, sorry, the Kudachi. Uh, the yeah, the 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 writer for Eighth Edition. You know, he runs around Nova with a notepad and takes notes of, of all the broken stuff that gamers come up with, and uh, and then eventually we we tend to see it come back into some sort of an FAQ. Yeah, smash the guns. Times. Uh-oh. Sm- oh, smash no, guns. Smash the guns. Not like this. No, no. <laughs> Robin, if you're listening, they're they're an anomaly. Yeah, wait till they sell first. They're like fifty dollars for a thirty point model. <laughs> sell them, sell them. Anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, and that's actually another great thing about Nova is that uh, GW in the past historically has looked at Nova as one of the tournaments to look at as a snapshot of the meta um, to make their decisions in the future. So it, it's really cool um, that this year's Nova. I felt like it was a lot more diverse and and um there's definitely a lot of good stuff like about the codec or like about the meta and the stuff that maybe wasn't as healthy for the meta was stuff that had already been nerfed and just missed the cutoff so you know it it was overall was great um speaking of uh to's making rulings and that kind of stuff i want to talk about the space marine faq so we're gonna we're gonna transition to space marines now uh the space marine faq did come out with the custodes ruling Uh, they didn't come out together um, but in terms of uh, events, there weren't a lot of events in between both of them coming out, uh, and they both did come out in time for the new season, the new end of the season um, tournaments. So uh, we have a Space Marine FAQ. There were some pretty interesting um, rules. I guess one in particular that I'm going to focus on, uh, but in general, it was kind of your standard stuff. Some silly questions that that make you scratch your head and wonder if these people even play 40k. The ones that ask them, uh, hmm. and some obvious ones uh, like the drop pod tactical reserves rule, um, not ignoring the turn four, five, and six. Uh, but the one I want to focus on that I wanted to get your guys' opinion on was the um, very top of the Space Marine FAQ, uh, the one that says um, Space Marine stratagems cannot be used on on uh other faction other codex space marine codexes mm-hmm. like death watch blood angels um now it, the page that they reference page 174 um the wording on that page is the same as the chaos space marine codex wording yes uh, and that is which which is interesting because chaos space marine stratagems currently can be used on units uh that have the heretic astartes keyword like death card units and thousand suns codex units even though they're part of the same codex uh which is interesting um because Space Marines can no longer do that. You can no longer, if you have the Adeptus Astartes keyword and you're a Blood Angels player, tough shit. You're not going to get. You're not going to benefit from a Space Marine stratagem. Now, I have no problem with that. I actually think that there was a lot of decisions made around the Space Marine Codex that were simply put in there uh, to prevent the Codex from being overpower, overpowered. Which, which I thought was a really good idea. The Kill Shot stratagem is one example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kill Shot stratagem with the new Space Marine rules. So far, it would have been absolutely crazy. Uh, and coming down the pipe, I'm sure there's more stuff that would be even nutser with it. So there was specific omissions and awkward, uh, you know, rules written that don't make sense at first. But I promise you, they were probably done for the health of the game to make sure that the Space Marine Codex wasn't so overpowered. Uh, but this one feels a little, this one feels a little weird. Uh, do you think that GW should just make it so that no no stratagems can be used on any codex anymore is this something that they should just do uh just like with the chaos demons as well uh, with those specific things the gene stair cult or do you think that this is just something that was used to tone down space marine power level in general i'll let you go first falcon i think 
that this is another kind of a low, um, I'm trying to think of the best wording for this. This is just another way that uh, GW is trying to uh, help promote mono codexes, mm-hmm. in my mind. Um, and I think that it's the right call. Um, if only to, uh, to avoid weird um, issues with like the general playing public. Um, this way, it, but the big thing is they have to they have to quickly go into that other. FAQ, the one that says that Death Guard and uh, Thousand Suns Heretic Astartes can use the Space Marine stratagem, the Chaos Space Marine stratagems. They have to, they have to make it across the board, uh, because right now, I don't like it, but only because of that. Um, I think it's the better move if just everybody you can only use stratagems on your own, uh, like stuff from your book if it's in your book. I, I like that. I think it's fine. I don't see any problem with it. It uh, the big thing it does is it keeps weird combos from happening that GW doesn't expect more than anything. I feel like we've seen Inari players take advantage of it with the whole you know exactly. oh, I'm going to take all these stratagems from this book and use them on these units and all that stuff, and that sort of like has made them wise to you know what what sort of things we think about as competitive gamers. You're trying to get trends, human physiology on you know. Uh, on uh, you know Deathwing Terminators or yeah. you know Paladins or something like that, and all of a sudden, kinda... plus one to hit on Plasma Terminator and uh, Plasma Wolfguard Terminators, so that right or you know just a variety of different yeah. things where it's like, no, they they're just saying you know what, just stick to what's in your book. And... It's easier to balance the the game that way. Yeah, I think that's I I think it's a good it's a step in the right direction. Uh, I just. I just hope that they do keep it like a, if it's going to be something that's standard or as we see, you know, because things like the doctrines and whatever, you know, and, and where you don't get the doctrines if you're taking units that are not part like that don't have that rule, you don't get benefit from that rule. Or if you're, your entire army has to be an ultramarine army in order to have the ultramarine rules from the supplement, mm-hmm. you know, and they've and that is like the ultimate you know what you want to play ultramarines awesome here's some really cool rules that you get to use as ultramarines but only if every model in your army is an ultramarine you know and and i kind of like that style of incentive incentives given to players instead of them sort of penalizing you they're, they're sort of rewarding you right which yep. i think is cool. i agree i love it uh, yeah, I, I, so I think I agree with I agree with your sentiments. Um, I, I would like a, just a consistent ruling in the future, maybe just like an update to the FAQ. Yeah, uh, because a lot of those FAQs are now starting to show their age uh, because some of them were, you know, frankly, rolled on two years ago. Right. So um, I, I think definitely an update to the FAQ or an FAQ to the FAQ, which would be even funnier. I hope we never actually get that. Um well, I think we're going something, to. I really I think, think that's something that we want. It, it, I really it, think this next FAQ, you're going to see an FAQ of that Chaos Space Marine FAQ for one. That would be my crossed fingers hope, at least, just to avoid uh, confusion. Because uh, I like the one thing we don't want is too many um, accepts. We don't want like you know, but this. Yeah, I agree. So uh, yeah, I I agree. But it, it's definitely interesting. And as a Space Marine player, um, it, it's something that I'm glad they did now. Uh, you know, instead of six months down the road where they realized, oh crap, this is something that we have to fix. Um, unlike poor Gene Circle players, yeah, who 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 might be getting their their codex changed soon. Um, 
oh, this, that specific stratagem, not their whole codex. Not, not saying that. Um, but uh, in, anyways, just something I wanted to pick your brains on. So other than other than that, I didn't see much else. Sergeant Cronus, Whirlwind Scorpius, Whirlwind Scorpicronus. I don't know what his yeah, nickname is going to be. Yes, Scorpicronus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cronius. I like Cronius, that. Cronius. I like it. Yeah. Um, he he got nerfed a little. His Whirler trait is set. Uh, which I think was always the intent. Which is um, funny because there was a major that was already one with somebody using Kronos as the warlord with the mortal wound uh, warlord trait on us. It's on so a good. Whirlwind Scorpius. It's so just, like it's so good. So GW was just like one day too late. Yeah. Malakamine Rubio, uh, super cool guy. He won the battle for uh, battlefield Birmingham 16, 110 player major that no one heard about because they, I think they just scratched it all on sticky notes, like all of everything that happened <laughs> and posted it to Facebook. Still really great guys. Yeah. His list uh, that one had Cronus with that uh, score, like with that specific combo. So it, hilarious that like the next day it got nerfed. His list also has Caladius, isn't it too, right? Yeah. No, it's, it, it's an absolutely terrifying list. So, We're going to have him go over it on stat center uh, this week, but man, like when he was taught, when uh, Steven box who came in second with the pure ultramarines at that uh, same event, was telling me about it, and I was like, yeah, this man that, is a monster. That's so funny, because his list is extinct now, right? Yeah, like, well, it's, it, it, it runs completely it differently, at least. Right, I, it, it's so, so funny. It's funny because the he missed, the, the way the tournament was set up, the cutoff was missed for the C- Custodes nerf, so that he got to keep his Custodes nerfs, but uh, he did have to use the, um, or he didn't have to use the updated Space Marine FAQ as well. Yeah. So... So Malik kind of got the best of both worlds there. So he got the full strength Caladius Grav tanks with the unnerfed Cronus. Yeah. Just like a just the perfect timing to win a hundred and ten right. person major. Yeah, just boom, he's got it, and then he's you're never going to see that list again because it's now illegal. <laughs> you yeah, heard it here first, funny. folks. Go to a big tournament before your stuff gets nerfed. Yeah, use it now. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Gene Steeler Cults players, because if you didn't hear, Pablo just told you that your entire book's about to change yep. and then took it back. No, there you go. <laughs> it's set and sets on the internet. I can never take it back now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, so other than that, I don't think the Space Marine Codex, I don't think there was anything in there worth maybe mentioning in terms of uh, overall meta shakeups. No, um, it's all like stuff that I think everyone expected, but it's because we have such a weird group of people like it had to be said like no your old codex stuff doesn't work please don't use it like, that was so funny i hate uh, that that has to be said but like you know there's like there were guys there was it, definitely like a handful no, no, of players no peter let's be like, honest it was ultramarines players i'm an ultramarine player i love yes, ultramarines. No, you're right i, I you're love right. ultramarines and so i can confidently say this ultramarines players are not the brightest players in the 40k world it's just well, it definitely it wasn't like iron hands players because they're just <laughs> too ecstatic about what they got they're all just, five like, of them they're just sitting there like in the bathroom in the mirror naked from the waist up just like make me a primaris them. as well yeah they oh, say they're loving it they're like yeah, they're, yeah the flesh drinking. is weak and it's just <laughs> it's um, great but, but yeah it, it it was funny yeah. that that we didn't have that question asked often in the chaos when the chaos space marine codex came out um when the new no. Chaos space marine codex came out but when the space marine codex came out it was like well can i use my others can i use kill shots still yeah can i use my sixth edition codex what about battle company mm. can i have that yeah, it was no. really funny <laughs> really no. really really Negative. funny um anyways uh no you can't use the old editions guys yeah, of stuff sorry all right don't be sorry just 
Don't Hashtag don't apologize. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't you're be not sorry. Canadian, just... Pablo. You can't take that from us. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, let's go ahead and move on to the final bit, and that's how we see the meta shaking up. So we have these Custodes nerfs. Uh, the Cladius Grav tanks possibly will stick around, but have a different role than what they had before, mm-hmm. um, but similar. Uh, and then, of course, the Space Marines are coming out. They their FAQs out. We we know what they're going to bring to the table now. Uh, minus the supplements. And then uh, we still have this Gene Stealer Cult, you know, force uh, with these amazing Gene Stealer Cult players um, coming out and winning. And then we have Chaos and Eldar on the decline uh, with a powerful win from a uh, Tau player. Where do you see Eldar and Chaos landing um, come, well, we'll say come October, uh, in terms of like a tier list or where will they land in the overall meta? I Scarry. feel oh, no, not like Peter, no, no. You can Falcon can go with it. Let, <laughs> let, he, he took the initiative. You can't. He you did. can't take that away from him. I feel that chaos is going to be in a rough spot. They're going to have to change how they play. Um, if Space Marines keep going the way they're going, mm-hmm. um, the a lot of the intercessor stratagems, a lot of the Space Marine stuff in general, um, the change to Null Zone it really impacts a lot of the big chaos lists because Marines just can rip apart plague bearers. Like you can easily now remove their inbound save, ignore their hit modifiers and just tear them apart with uh, intercessors, aggressors like ultramarine aggressors. And we haven't even seen all the other codexes, you know, an ultramarine aggressor unit, a six popping out 160 shots while it's still moving. Um, it's just going to wreck stuff. So uh, I feel like chaos players, I'm not going to say that they're done. I've seen that said a bit. I don't want to make that big a leap, but I think they have to They have to really change how they play um, because Space Marines are going to be everywhere. They're going to be absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Whether they're good Space Marine players or not, I guess is another story. Um, depends on what the rest of the supplements bring. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's... I think Chaos is in a in a bad spot that they can get themselves out of. I'm just not the guy to tell you what to do to get you out of that. Right? Yeah, so. and, and before Scarry weighs in on Eldari, um, if you're a Chaos player and you're looking for outs, or if you're looking for maybe where the right direction is to go, um, look towards your community leaders. Look towards Jim Vessel, TJ Lanigan, Don Hoosen, although I hate to make his head bigger than it already is. Uh, those are the kind of people that are going to be don't running. Don't look to Jim Vessel. He's starting to buy Primaris Marines. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> don't do not do that unless you're converting your Primaris Marines to Death Guard or something. <laughs> um, uh, but but all joking aside, look towards your community leaders. Look at what people are going to be start working with with the Chaos Space Marines. And I will say that as someone who's played a lot of the new Space Marines um, and talked about them and played them into a really good Chaos player here locally... Uh, Chaos Space Marines do have a lot of tools still that can absolutely roll Space Marine lists with. And Space Marine lists are going to have um, what we call in the competitive Pokemon community, which is funny, uh, four move slot syndrome, which is basically they have so many options to choose from that they're not going to be able to fit everything into their list. Uh, so they're going to be str- potentially strong against certain matchups and weaker to other matchups, not because the faction can't handle the specific things, but because the Space Marine player didn't pick those particular options, right? So you might be weaker to Gene Circle if you don't want to fit Infiltrators into your list, and you might be stronger against uh, Chaos Space Marines, but maybe you forgot to bring extra Intercessors or something or whatever. Um, so the, 
it'll be very interesting to see what the kind of list Space Marine players settle on, and we'll most likely see what we see with Gene Circle, and we'll see, you know, two or three rotating Space Marine lists that all do a variety of different things uh, and tackle a variety of different stuff. So CSM, Chaos Space Marine players, and Chaos players, uh, there's you still have a chance there's to beat the Space Marines um, and do well. It just, you just have to work at it. All right, Skari. Eldari. Changes to Eldari based on Space Marines? Uh, but yes. Where, where are they going to be in October? Um, I believe that Eldari are probably one of the factions that are least affected by the new Space Marine meta. Wow. Um, to be to be brutally honest, Space Marines have never been a, a faction that is like terrifying to the Eldar to play against. You know, um, it's not an easy matchup for El to for Space Marines to play when they're facing you know disintegrated cannons and. Yeah. You know, They're star cannons nemesis. and right. <laughs> so, you know, so yes, space marines do a lot more damage than they than they do than or than they did previously, right? They they have a lot more options for damage output. However, a space marine is still a space marine is still a space marine, and you know, a, a disintegrated cannon is still going to murder a space marine now as it did, you know, two weeks ago. That's fair. Yes, uh, uh, you are right. What, yeah. what about mixed Eldar lists, like uh, maybe or maybe Eldar lists that don't use disintegrator cannons? Ah, uh, well, there's star cannons or shuriken cannons or anything that you know. The, the, I don't think it's going to change the way that that Eldar players play against Space Marines. That is fair. Uh, what about um, against uh, orcs and Gene Circolts and um, maybe people trying to build more hordes because. Uh, Brandon Grant did say something interesting when I spoke to him. I might have mentioned, mentioned it last week, I'm not sure. Um, but he basically said that he was going to add more guard bodies to his Imperial Guard list and and just fight the new Space Marines with just even more bodies than they can possibly kill. Um, now, will that happen or not? I don't know. Uh, but Brandon Grant is a very intelligent player, and he's choosing to stick with his Astro Militarum uh, despite analysts and um, quote-unquote armchair generals saying that space marines will have an easier time against astro militarum i think that space marines have a crazy good damage output i think that against things like hordes like they have the tools to deal with genes to the cult well they have the tools to deal with orcs well they they have the tools to deal with eldar well even but i think it's going to come to on the onus is going to be on the space marine player to use all the cool little tricks and tips that they have at their disposal uh namely you know mostly most of the movement shenanigans that they can do either increasing their movement and their charge distances and threat range or decreasing the enemy's movement uh, like hordes with thunderfire cannons or psychic powers or things that sort of uh, dictate the pace of the game uh, so that they don't get out board controlled essentially mm -hmm. i think you, i think you hit the nail on the head there um, and I think Pablo, your first comment, uh, the the Pokemon comment, no matter how much I hate to say it, was was dead on. I think the the more you think about it, like infiltrators are fantastic against Gene Stiller cults. There's so many Gene Stiller cult lists that just you know 300 points or 250 points of infiltrators just shut down so hard. Um, but when you're making lists, especially even now when we don't really have the full picture, which we probably won't have for another I don't know six months if that. Yeah. Um, like. Even using those 230, those 330 points for infiltrators, you're still looking at the list and being like, Space Marines aren't cheap. Like, a lot of stuff got cheaper, but where do I fit all the other stuff I wanted to take to deal with, you know, knights or to deal with? Because that always seems to be the problem is I, I can wipe out hordes, no problem, but what's my answer to 
three craft crusaders now craft. if i take all this stuff or yeah what well what's my yeah, answer like, to eldar when i take that and so craft. it's it's good <laughs> everybody just take grab guys just <laughs> only take drop not, I, I, with grab. the it's only reason true, i say but, that is because i i ran my centurion devastators for the first time in years yep. the other day you mean, and you mean i will first say seventh edition yeah and i will say that that new grav strat with with the with the Centurion Devastators who had Tactical Doctrine on to give their Hurricane Bolters the plus one AP did some work. They did like they did they did they killed almost an entire night by themselves. It was great. I, I have seen people talking about, you know, like even just grab dev squads in a in a drop pod. Uh, to do kind of a similar thing so yeah i think grab's an answer but it's you only have you have two thousand points you got to fit in and still have answers for everything um or answers for most things right um it'll be interesting i really i really think they've got an amazing codex and everything people keep telling me about oh just wait till you hear about imperial fists and wait till you hear what iron hands get and what salamanders get i'm like gee bruce creepers guys like i already think it's fantastic what what are you gonna lay on me next so yeah yeah, it'll be very interesting to see where they are. Uh, moving on to Gene Circle, Orcs, and kind of the rest of the uh, 40k meta, are, are there any factions that you think people should keep an eye on? Maybe they're geared towards beating Space Marines a little better. Um, obviously, I think Dark Eldar are going to do really well, as Scarry's already said earlier on. Um, but are there any other factions that you think are kind of dark horses that can rise up and, and we might start seeing as maybe a tier one or super hyper competitive faction? Uh, or maybe they weren't before. Um, one that's been kind of consistently on the rise now for a little bit is Admech. Um, and I think they're just going to get better. I think that they they still have the tools to deal with Space Marines. They've got a couple really solid lists now. And that Scorpius Disintegrator helped them a lot in kind of filling up the last couple gaps they had to be run even as a mono-faction codex. Um, so yeah, I would keep an eye on Admech. They're still going to be super fantastic uh going into this marine meta if there if it is a marine meta um and if there's enough space marines out there like if if they just like flood and we get like 40 percent codex space marines watch over death watch because death watch are super duper good at killing marines like just absolutely absurdly good they're at good it. at killing a lot of things yeah, yeah just not knights they they need a little help with that but yeah they Killing toughness four models with a with a three plus armor save is not a problem for Death Watch, so just something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about you, Scary? Can you repeat the question? Uh, sure. So, are there any factions or armies, or maybe even um, army lists that you think will maybe see more rise in popularity and do a lot better? Some, like kind of like a dark horse candidate for for the rest of the end of the season. Maybe a faction that people should keep an eye on. I think that it's hard to make predictions until chapter approved comes out. Because a lot of the times the chapter approved and the FAQ really sort of spearhead the change of the meta coming into the LVO. Mm -hmm. So from Nova till chapter approved seems to be a bit of a like a lull, you know, a bit of a dead zone in terms of the big competitors in the scene sort of making lists and thinking outside the box and whatnot, um, and more about kind of practicing different things and playing just random stuff until chapter proof gets here, and then you kind of fine-tune your list, we see what changed, what sort of the standouts are, and then we'll see, like, the meta jump up. If I were to make a prediction, uh, I'd probably want to say 
that it'd be nice to see uh, something like Dark Angels um, come up to the forefront. You know, there's been talk about some Dark Angel stuff coming in like a White Dwarf and whatnot, which, you know, might see some, some cool action for them, for example. Absolutely. Yeah, Dark Angels with the new White Dwarf, you never know what those supplements. Uh, GW has now this, you know, historically in 8th edition made supplements and similar, you know, uh, releases a lot weaker than they normally have in the past, um, which is good. Um, so we don't know what the Dark Angels are going to look like. But they did also release Assassins, which had to get FAQ'd and nerfed. Um, so, you know, and are probably you don't, still you don't know just a tiny bit too good. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we'll see. I don't, I Not don't all think, of them. I don't think not that they're se- they're seen as much as I think because they're seen as much as not seen as much as they were before. Oh no, they're, they're definitely down to about like a twelve yeah. percent usage versus twenty five percent or whatever they're at. But it's uh yeah maybe. I thought <laughs> we'll the Dark Angel thing was just lore, but if it, they are actually getting rules, I'm excited because they're terrible. Uh, Dark, Dark Angels Angel players in, in general are bad. Like they're just not good people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because they're really chaos players, right? That's, yeah. Um, well, they're 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 actual chaos players. They're like all those Slanesh guys with the weird models. Like, every Dark Angel player just rolled his eyes. I heard you, Dark Angels player. You just <laughs> hey, I I know us. a few Dark Angel players. They're not the worst. Okay, <laughs> just because they decided to follow the wrong side of the war. Yeah, and I mean, just because their Primarch was you know bad at everything. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, if you want to make a, a Dark Angels player mad, just say that Lionel Johnson was the worst Primarch. They will lose their goddamn. Heads. It's hilarious. I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I would he love, was, by the way. He I would was, love to get on. Terrible. I would love to get on a lore podcast. If you listen to this and you run a lore podcast, I would love to get on it and talk Primarchs because I've got some fun stuff to say about Lionel. Me Johnson. too, but it's just really going to be about how bad Lionel Johnson was as a Primarch. <laughs> And as a person. I wonder what else we could add to the Frontline Gaming Network. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> just, just the, the Dark Lionel, Angel Fluff Podcast. The, the Lionel Johnson trash. Are the Dark Lord. Angels uh, <laughs> heretic or loyalists? You decide. Right it. on. All right. Uh, so, uh, at the end of every episode, we like to go over questions that the patrons put out um, on our Facebook group and the Chapter Tactics pa- Patreon Club on Facebook. Um, so, we're going to go ahead and start with those. Uh, patron Derek wants to know, how do you think that Tau army would have done had it been ITC missions? Well, I think we're going to talk about Richard that. Siegler's. It, it would have done super good because it has been doing super good for you know, seven months. Uh, Nikhil wants to know, do you think these results are representative of the coming meta considering they didn't include the beta code of updates or new space marines? So how relevant do you think uh, people should look or how, how, yeah, how relevant do you think these stats are um, for Nova, uh, going into the new meta, Peter, I think that's a good question for you. Sure. Um, I think if you look at the overall numbers for Nova, um, they, they generally reflect what's been happening, um, of late, um, with the exception that, I mean, while Tau won, they did generally terrible and Tau have generally been doing very well that, and, uh, and Knights being a little, those were the two like underperforming factions at Nova. Even though you know Tau did win the whole thing, um, the the big thing uh, with this is I think you're going to see like a big drop in Custodes play, regardless of if the Caladius nerf is too much or not. And I'm not I'm not going to answer that. We kind of already talked about it. Um, like they're just going to drop and play regardless because people will think it's bad. Um, so then people will just drop them no matter what. Um, so that'll be a big change coming out of Nova. And yeah, I don't want to say that the Nova meta was stale. Uh, because I don't think that was true. I think there's some interesting stuff there. Uh, there's always going to be interesting stuff to glean. But I think 
starting now, it's going to be a very different uh, set of lists you're going to start to see. Okay. If I didn't ramble enough, that was I <laughs> second that. I think that rambling was excellent. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on to the next question. Uh, patron Matt wants to know... Um, can we talk about how awesome Grey Knights are? Oh, this Matt. Uh, and how much people who list themselves as pure Grey Knights <laughs> oh, this but are not, in fact, suck. Uh, so basically what he's kind of complaining about is uh, there are players who were not running pure Grey Knights lists but were still marked as Grey Knights and, mm. uh, on BCB. Yeah, and, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and I, in fact, uh, agree with him to an extent. I don't think those people suck, but I do think those people need to check themselves before... The ITC they wreck wrecks themselves. themselves. That makes no sense. And, yes. and I mean, like talking about a broader uh, subject, there, um, that's just been something that's been going on. I mean, for forever, but it's ever since the best in faction change, it's been the numbers have been pretty high on people misrepresenting themselves in in events. Um, generally, the average is about eleven or twelve percent of lists are not uh, tagged properly. Um, and it used to be about two or three percent in the before the best in faction change. So just something for TOs really um, that you need to watch out for if if it's something you're even concerned about. There's a ton of people that are obviously. There's a like like Matt uh, trying to become a like the best Grey Knight player that ever was, uh, the Ash <laughs> Ketchum as it were of uh, of uh, Grey Knights. Um, I like that nickname for him by the way. Which which, which also forward. fits because Ash Ketchum really sucks at Pokemon. Yeah. And you know, anyways, oh, moving don't. on. <laughs> don't anyway. Uh, but yeah. So you it's... know how you uh, trigger a Pokemon fan? <laughs> Go on. How? Just tell them that Ash sucks at Pokemon. Oh, okay. You know, okay, that's the correlation between Dark Angels and Pokemon. Ah, it all makes sense. So what we're saying is, <laughs> is Pablo is a we're, Dark Angel player. We're 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 um, isolating like like half of the audience. <laughs> And bye bye everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. But uh, no, I th- just as a, if you're a TO of, a, of, a, of an event, I know there's a lot of sh- shite going on in your day. Uh, but take the time to go over those lists, make sure they're they're tagged properly. And as players, it's also your responsibility because I guarantee you, there's like four or five guys that are looking at all the lists and just like that that are for their quote unquote fraction, and they're screaming at the at the sky when somebody uh, you know does what Matt noted here, and they take like gray knights with a you know guard uh, battalion and still call themselves gray knights um it is it is what it is we like best impaction is really important for some people so be cognizant yeah absolutely um next question up uh tory pete wants to know do you think jim vessel's tears are okay well never mind no they were on to this one they were his tears his tears are are made of gold and alcohol but mostly they get stuff done. Yeah. How do you think Nova's results will affect the upcoming FAQ? I think that's an interesting question. Um, I would like to take this uh, just right away. I don't think they'll affect it at all. Um, basically, the FAQ is is pretty much mostly been worked on, um, and I didn't see anything at Nova that would alarm GW like in Nova's years past. Like for example, when when um, Alphabet Soup was a big deal. That's the Forge World. Uh, uses each greater demon, um, you know, when that was common and rampant, uh, and when the House Tyrannus Zombie Knights was the the year after, um, was a big deal. I didn't see a lot of that at Nova, so I don't think and the zero inch uh, charges out of Deep Strike, like there wasn't any. Of that. that was like one of the oh, biggest yeah. things that changed like Fly forever. Yeah, 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 yeah it was, it was a, huge a deal. Nova Invitational uh, Stephen Four 
uh, ruining it for all Blood Angels players everywhere for you know months to come. Thanks, Steven. <laughs> I still love you, bud. But yeah, anyway. thanks, man. Uh, but but yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I didn't see anything this time. Did you guys maybe see anything that that um, maybe would definitely be on the FAQ? Uh, probably not. I'd probably just come to small things here or there, clarifications. You know, I feel like the conglomeration of rules and FAQs that they've been having so far will eventually uh, have to be consolidated into ninth edition, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think there was anything major. I think the one thing that they kind of hit pre-tournament was the kind of the big one, and it was, you know, even if it wasn't maybe handled the best because uh, it wasn't thought to be that big of a deal, the whole, you know, Genius of the Cults not being able to be pulled off and then put on turn four or later. Um, I think that's really the biggest thing that's going to come out of it. Um, and it wasn't something that happened at the event itself. So. Yep. All right. Um, patron Derek wants to know, this isn't about Nova, but what do you think about the space rain FAQ and the ruling that for pure, oh, okay. We already talked about this. Yeah. Um, you know, my feelings, uh, what rules do we expect to see in the upcoming dark angel article in this month's white dwarf? Um, what prediction, wild prediction, wild prediction. Lionel Johnson is back, but he's terrible. Oh, I was going to say that almost verbatim wild prediction um some access to some cool stratagems deathwing stratagems that are actually useful i think that would be good okay. yeah something that might you know make them move off to deep striking or something yeah um like you know so many other codexes have started to get i think it would be swell right and then finally uh patron shannon wants to know what we think about mark hurdle's list um, he was he'd made the top 16 in Nova. He actually got fifth place at Nova with uh, Admech, and uh, this is actually a really interesting list. Um, so I'll just read it off for you two, and you can, we can briefly talk about it, and then we can close off the podcast. Uh, so it, he brought a Styges battalion with two with a Tech Priest Dominus and an Engine Seer, with a whole bunch of Skitari Vanguards with Plasma Cavaliers. That's uh, mm. it's going to be five squads, uh, five it looks like, um, with Plasma Cavaliers and uh, the Radium Carbines. Which I don't know what any of that does. Uh, three Onager Dune Crawlers, three Scorpius Dune Riders, which are not the which are the transport, um, and then a another Styges detachment with two Engine Seers and two more Skitari Vanguard uh, Plasma Cavalier squad. So it's it's kind of a and then uh, I'm sorry five more Skitari Vanguards because uh, there's a third page and then finally three Scorpius Disintegrators and three more Dune Riders. So he's got six Dune Riders. 10 units of Skatari Vanguard with Plasma Cavaliers, three Onager Dune Crawlers, and three Disintegrators. That is his list. Yes, it's Calibers. Oh, Caliber, whatever. I think they have a... Uh, I think Admech is one of those things that can surprise you if you're not ready for it. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, it's a very interesting list. It's it's it, To me, it's like a... It's Rhino Rush, but with Admech. And therefore, it kind of works. I mean, plasma calibers—they're um, essentially assault two plasma guns, so strength seven, AP minus three, flat damage. And those rad carbines reduce the toughness of um, anything that's not a vehicle by one uh, while they're within an inch. Um, so mm. you can do a ton of work um, if you wanna if you wanna you know shove a couple of those uh, dune striders up the board unleash hell with the however many 80 or whatnot uh guys he brought out with 
you know, uh, 40 plasma calibers. They're going to wreck stuff. And then, the, I mean, the rest, it's it's going to take out screens. It's a very interesting list. I really I really like it. I think it's a kind of a, a preda, like a, the, it's the start of something I think you're going to see with Marines. At least right now, for me, what I'm seeing out of the Marine Codex, my favorite uh, list archetype right now is like an incursor rush. And I think it's, it's it kind of works in a, in a similar faction. Fashion. fashion. Yeah. I mean, Screw I, Peter. Use proper yeah, words. I really, really like it. Uh, I think Mark did a good job with it. Uh, you know, everything's Saiji, so everything is, is minus one to hit against shooting, which helps a lot against Grass Crusaders, um, you know, which is great, right? Because that's a very common thing, and that would normally be a hard matchup for him. But I think in this matchup, I think I'd actually favor Mark. Um, I mean, all that plasma. It's just yeah, a it's, ton it's a of lot. shots. It's a lot of shots, and the, the knights won't be able to kill everything, right? They shouldn't be able to cover everything. And then, obviously, all the transports have fly. Uh, so, wait, do they, they have, have fly? No, they don't. They, they have, do not have fly. They have crappy fly. I forgot. They I forgot that they have crappy fly. Now, they, they look like they're hovered. You'd assume yeah. that they have fly. But... I mean, this list wrecks... I think this list generally wrecks knights. I mean, he's got neutron yes. lasers on all his honor dragoon right. crawlers, so they're flat, you know, minimum damage three every shot. Mm-hmm. Super good. The Scorpius Disintegrators are amazing at indirect fire. I really, the more I look at this list, the more I like it, the more yep. I want to be Mark Hertel's best friend. Yep. Um, I, I, so if I'm you're listening, Mark, you're, you're a good guy, and I, I appreciate you and everything you've done. Unless you're yeah. a terrible person. If you actually play Dark Angels in your spare time, we then uh, you've betrayed me, and I'm ashamed. Yeah, because <laughs> Lionel Johnson was a terrible Primark. He was. He was the worst <laughs> Primark. All right. Um, and then that's it. Scar, did you want anything to add to that? I know. I think uh, what has had to be said has been said. Uh, just don't forget that uh, Admech robots can also be choppy and killy with mm. the right stratagems and warlord traits mm, and can be running up at you and not just uh, sitting back and shooting you. Right on. All right. So that concludes this episode. Uh, if you would like to learn more about um, tournaments and all that stuff, you can always go, you can always email me at frontlinegamingpdpob at gmail.com. I do answer questions regularly about the ITC, rules questions. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll answer army lists if the army, it looks kind of cool. Although I do get a ton of those, so I don't, don't tend to answer all of them. Um, if you get a chance, head on over to Bartlesville, Oklahoma for the Iron Halo that's coming up mm. at the end of. A, in October, um, check that out. You can go to ironhalo.org. Uh, and then, of course, join our Patreon if you'd like to support the podcast. And finally, if you want to know, hear more from the wonderful Archon Scary, Scary, where can they find you? You can head on over to Scardcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, um, etc., etc. Just find me, Scardcast. Hooray! And then. Finally, Peter can be found over at uh, 40k Stat Center, which we try to record and put out every Wednesday. Sometimes it's Thursday, sometimes it's Friday, sometimes it's uh, Sunday because we ran out of space to upload the thing on the Libsyn and no one told us we could just charge Reese's credit card money. Um, but yeah, and uh, also at 40kstats.com. Hmm. Right on. Beautiful. Thank you guys and gals so much for listening. You're the best listeners in the world. As always, have a good one. Bye. Bye.